You're listening to the Contemplative Podcast. Contemplative Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Contemplative Podcast with me, Matt Emery, and in conjunction with Contemplative Classical and Headphone Commute. If you're new, welcome. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do subscribe on your favourite listening platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whatever you listen on. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes, we have many more previous episodes chatting with the likes of Yoet Beving, Michael Price, Hannah Peel, Nanita Desai, Luke Howard, Robot Koch and many more. On this episode, I had the honour of chatting with the lovely Icelandic composer Edis Everton who released her debut album Baelish on 21M Records this year. We chat about the making of her album, working with 21M, performing live, favourite current albums, dream festival lineups, remixes and much more. And as always, there'll be music along the way, with snippets taken from Edis's album and a stunning remix from Slow Meadow 2. We kick things off with this beautiful piece titled Brotten. Welcome to the Contemplative Podcast. Um, firstly, how are you doing and, and how has 2021 been for you? From the outside, it looks like it's been quite a whirlwind year for you. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a wonderful year. Um, I just released my first album in April, uh, the 21st of April. And I just got back to Iceland after my first mini tour. So it's been been quite of a, quite of a whirlwind, actually with COVID and everything, but it's been a beautiful year. So wonderful launch of my musical career. Yeah, yeah. And as, as you just touched on there, you did release your debut album, Bailer. I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. <laughs> yeah, Bailer. <laughs> yeah. How, how did it feel kind of putting that out in the world? Because obviously it's your debut record. How has it felt, yeah, kind of releasing that? Oh, it felt, it's, it's really hard to explain the feeling. I mean, there's no words to really describe it. Um, so it's been a music that I've been composing for over, over 20 years, so it's a very personal thing for me. So it was, it was a bit scary, but also so exciting to be finally able to release music into the world. And I think especially now with COVID and, you know, we sort of, I felt even more so grateful of being able to actually do that when it's been such a challenging time for everybody. Yeah. So it's been beautiful. Yeah. And, and you released with 21M. Um, uh, records like how did you come by meeting them and how did that partnership blossom um it was after my first performance at iceland airwaves in 2018 and um, there was an a and r um individual called dirk lange at the concert which i wasn't aware of 
and he approached me after my performance and just asked me to be in touch and that sort of later evolved and it's now almost been more than two years since I signed with uh, Sony Masterworks. Yes. And then, then they released the their new entity, 21M, in uh, January, or February, sorry. Yes. Amazing. And you mentioned there you'd been um, composing, well, this, this album's kind of taken 20 years, uh, you know, to, to come to fruition. I, I read that there's one of the songs that you'd written there when you were seven years of age. Um, I would pronounce the title, but I don't want to disgrace myself. I know it's track five. Um, yeah, how... Can you tell us a bit more about that, what it's about? And also, you know, how has it changed much from the original version over over the sort of 20 years from when you first wrote it to now? Oh, it's changed quite drastically, yes. Um, <laughs> it was, um, it's a piece called uh, which translates as Winter Has Arrived in English. And um, it's sort of, I had some emotions within me and I remember being up north in my hometown, Blentos, and there was a crazy storm going on. And all I remember is just sitting down and this piano piece came out. And later throughout the years, I sort of put that piece um, aside until I was um, signed with 21M and sort of preparing the launch. And then was sort of just always restructuring the piece. So it sort of still holds the, <clears throat> the main elements of the core of the piece from when I wrote it. Um, but it means everything to me that I was able to have that, include that on my album. Where did you record the album? Did you record it all in one session, or how did you um, how did that come to be? Is it over like a series of years, or so um, over a series of two years actually? So first, I recorded um, the first piece of the album. It's called uh, Deep Under, as well as Instikerne or Tilbrede. So I recorded both of these pieces at Greenhouse Studios, two thousand nineteen, January, and then. Um, I was then residing in New York, so um, due to my situation there, I wasn't able to record any music in America. So after I moved back to Iceland, when COVID hit, I was able to record and finalise the album as well at Greenhouse Studios here in Reykjavik, Iceland. Amazing. And I, I have to ask about Midnight Moon, because it may be my favourite one on the album. Um, <laughs> it features GDRN. Um, did you always... Had you always envisualised having lyrics and kind of a vocalist in that song or was that something like, how did it come about and how did you um, end up collaborating with her? Um, it was actually an interesting thing. So the piece started as uh, an Icelandic poem. So I didn't really think I would include the piece on the album. So later, after the piece, uh, the poem existed, I started to sort of compose the piano elements and sort of possibly thinking, you know, what kind of other instruments it could include. Yeah. And 
Then it was in the process of sending all the demos over to 21M. And uh, my then A&R has just sort of floated the idea. It's like, oh, I have some, I have some lyrics as well with this piece, but I didn't really think I was going to include it on the album. And he thought it was really interesting. So I then translated the piece into English. And <clears throat> for some reason, when I started discussing with the producer of the album, Valkir Sigurdsson, I was sort of trying to think about which Icelandic voc uh, vocalist could interpret the piece in the best way. And that's when I chose GGRN. She was my first choice as well as Valkir's. So yeah. it just sort of came very naturally and I'd never met her before. So I just sent her like a Facebook message because Iceland is very small. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then we just had a, started a conversation and she was already on board. So that was, yeah, felt incredible. Amazing. And I was really glad you got to play that in London when I saw you um, recently, because I saw, uh, as funny as sitting with uh, Wise Music and um, we saw the microphone and we're like, I think that means that she is going to play Midnight Moon, because obviously uh, <laughs> and then we didn't know who was going to sing it. So, um, yeah, obviously you had, I, I forget her name, who uh, sung it for you in London. Beth Rowley. Yes, that was it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I was so, I was so happy that you got to play that one. So, um, oh, me too. It was the first time I was ever able to perform that piece live with the vocalist. Oh, yet. really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because I've seen you've done the KEXP live session and I think you you would have had it there on the live session, but you haven't actually performed it live to an audience, I guess. Yet. No, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was the first time. Do you think there will be a chance to uh, perform that one live with uh, GDRN at some point in the future? Oh, I really hope so. I really hope so. It would be ideal to be able to have a concert here in Iceland very soon. Hopefully when the COVID situation is a bit, bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I would love to have GGRN on it as well. Little do I know of this world we live in I have come to terms with to let things flow around us We step outside Go for a walk across the island There is tranquility Emotional transparency Surrounds us Take my hand that was only maybe your third live show at the Elba Rooms. That, that truly was. That was my first ever live show. So that was a bit of a jump actually because I had my first performance 2018. Yeah. And then now sort of three years later into actually performing live again was a um, bit of a like pressure, but it felt incredible of being able to hear the music becoming alive in front of an audience finally like in the way that I really wanted to have the music. So it was an interesting thing. So during my, um, my tour, 
I sort of had <clears throat> um, some performances were just solo performances. So that was also interesting to just have, you know, pieces were meant to have instrumentation on it yes. to perform them solo, which was a, just a little bit eye-opening. So to sort of be able to have more freedom within the piano parts. And then it was beautiful in the in the Oka room in London to be able to have sort of the core set up finally. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it quite overwhelming kind of having it all come together, obviously playing the album in full? Um, you look like you'd had a great time. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah, is, is, it, is it, when you recorded it, did you record the strings all together or did you record them one by one? Like, had you heard the pieces in their full form play before you started playing them live? Um, never. They just no. existed on a piece of paper before. Yeah. So I recorded the album over a series, um, just the instrumentation over three days. So the first day was just all the piano parts. And that was on a Sunday. And then the Monday was all the strings. And uh, Tuesday was sort of finalizing some string, uh, string parts and as well with the brass instrumentation. And then we had another session with Gigi and just a couple of weeks later. Um, but yeah, it was incredible to, to be able to be on stage and just to be in the moment. So yes, it was very overwhelming as um, after that performance specifically. I was so, because my whole family also had flown over from Iceland and felt so touched by being able to have this performance in London. So I just remember like walking off stage with my shoes and just sort of not really knowing what to do with myself. And I remember like walking outside in the hallway and I just started crying, like both out of joy and <laughs> over <laughs> being overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's bawling my eyes out afterwards. So yes, yeah, incredibly it's, overwhelming. It's also a stunning venue as well. Like it must have been cool rocking up to the Royal Albert Hall with your your picture, huge, like outside <laughs> of the Royal Albert Hall. God, it's so surreal. <laughs> <laughs> Like I had read somewhere that you were a professional volleyball player when you were younger. Like, do you still do you still play volleyball? Um, not anymore. So the reason why I quit volleyball is that I had a little bit of an accident, which is actually the reason why that turned me into music. So okay. I was sort of in both sides. So now I look back and I'm only grateful. Um, but these days I um, I love being outdoors and going for hikes and I do yoga and snowboarding or just sort of out being in nature is what I love on the yeah. side. Awesome, awesome. And um, is there been any albums that you've particularly enjoyed this year or any anything that's been on your 
list that you thought of oh, you know that's that's a, a wonderful record or a wonderful album um yes i would have to say i've been sort of digging more into the world of of soundtracks just like a, as an album as a whole so there is the official soundtrack of sicario which johan johansson composed yes and um, we, yeah, just recently got into this album and then I watched the film. So that was even more so powerful of really knowing the music beforehand. So I love that album as well as um, In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai. That whole soundtrack album is just incredible. So those two albums and then recently I've been getting into um, George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. It's one of my favorite albums. So sort of like rediscovering the joy yeah. for that album. So, yeah, I'd have to say those. Awesome. And if, if you could curate like a dream festival lineup, if it was you and five or six other artists, um, who, who would be a dream selection of people to play alongside on a, a festival curated by yourself? Oh, goodness. Um, um, I would, yeah, I think it would be wonderful to be able to perform with, um, alongside Brian Eno, um, this artist called Marconi Union. Um, Floating Points, Nils Fram, um, Portigo Quartet as well. That nice. would be ideal. Nice. I'd get tickets to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where where would you want Where would you want to play? Would you want to play first? Would you want to headline? Would you? Uh, yeah. Where Where would you uh, put yourself on the bill? Oh goodness. Um, I think it's just somewhere somewhere in the middle, like leading up to sort of the more like heavier electronic bits, sort yeah. of like leading in with Brian Eno, like the ambience and then leading into cool. yeah, the other artists. Cool. That's a nice flow. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about electronic, um, you also released a reworks EP of your um, your album. How, how did that come about? And was there any sort of uh, decisions about sort of who you'd have on there? And yeah, how, how did that come about? Um, <clears throat> that discussion started quite recently after I released my album and um, the sort of the main idea behind that was to be able to sort of broaden the sound world which of the album already existed within. So it, um, by including for example a piece um, by Slow Meadow, sort of having that sort of ambience, beautiful relaxed sound as well with, you know, Thylacine, who's a French electronic artist, and Janus Rasmussen, a part of Chiasmus, just sort of like opening up this, this sound world. So that was the concept behind that, um, that album. Awesome. And is it, is it quite funny hearing your pieces sort of, uh, uh, sort of transformed into other different genres or kind of uh, hearing, I've, I always find when I hear remixes, like people pick out certain things that you're sometimes you're quite surprised that it's just a whole new spin on it was there was there any surprises listening to any of the remixes yeah it was fascinating i mean it's all because every every artist is different so it was really interesting to hear how other people how other artists were perceiving the music and sort of what they wanted to bring out in each and every piece so it was sort of just really eye-opening and I, I love everyone's interpretation of the music, so very grateful I was able to have them all.
question is, um, what can you tell us what's coming up next year? Have you got any plans that you can talk about, um, either gigging or release-wise? Is there anything that we can look forward to? Um, at the moment, it's um, a bit tricky to say so far into the future with COVID, um, but I will be performing at Eurosonic in January. Fingers crossed it'll go through. Um, and at the moment, I am working on new music, so hoping, hope, hopefully some releases happening in the new year. Awesome. So watch this space, basically. Yes. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. And um, yeah, we look forward thank to you so much for having me. No problem. And we look forward to uh, hearing more music soon. And yeah, hopefully uh, the listeners can catch you at a live show at some point soon. When, I hope uh, so too. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Edith. Thank you so much.